Welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, a show where we connect you with the stories of inspiring generosity and whole life stewardship. We feature individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our community and around the world. Our goal is to equip listeners with practical insights and tools to make a kingdom impact with their resources. Whether you're seeking to become a better wealth manager, overcome challenges in deploying large sums of money, or align with your family values, we are here to help guide and inspire you. Join us as we explore the intersection of faith, generosity, and impact. I'm Eric Most, uh, president of the National Christian Foundation Rocky Mountain Region. It's my joy to be the host for this podcast today. Uh, today we have, uh, with my co-host, Lori Bossert, VP on our team, uh, we have two incredible guests. Uh, they, are, they have been with NCF for a long time. we got Michael King and David Wills. You all are going to really enjoy the conversation that we're having today. We're going to talk about um, paradigms of giving and how to value passions and places to give, and also talk about overcoming common obstacles that we see with families, amongst some other things. And so uh, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to diving even deeper into these conversations. Michael, thank you for being on the show today. Great, grateful that you're here. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us a little biographical, where you grew up. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe even how you got to NCF and your role that you play with the National Christian Foundation. Sure. Well, glad to be here today, Eric. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to, to share. Um, well, uh, so I, I um, from the time I was in high school, I felt called uh, somewhat to, to this field of helping people be good stewards of their financial resources. Uh, what I do primarily today is help generous families plan from a charitable giving perspective in some fairly complex technical ways. Um, so in some respects, I tell people this is kind of like the cherry on the top of what I actually envisioned. Uh, for the first half of my career, I helped uh, affluent families build bigger barns and now I help families dissemble those barns and give uh, generously to kingdom ministries. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And where did you actually grow up? I grew up in Pennsylvania, York Pepper, York Peppermint Patty. Uh-huh. That's the city, York, uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Close to Lancaster, Gettysburg, and the capital of Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. We're kind of nestled in between those three cities. Okay. Wow. Uh, very cool. Thank you. David. Uh, why don't you share? Thank you for being on the show today. We're grateful to have you. It's an honor to be here. That's good. Um, then this is the inaugural uh, version of the podcast. So guys, we're setting the bar really, really high for the future. So grateful for you guys. Um, David, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little biographical um, uh, sketch of David Wills and, and also uh, past president of all of NCF. And you serve as a, uh, as a relationship manager out of Texas. Is that right? Give us, give us some well, you let Michael go all the way back to his childhood. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go back to the childhood. So, Come on. So the contrast is quite striking. So I actually grew up a very greedy person in a very generous family. So when I was a kid and I took the spiritual gift tests, giving and mercy tied for the lowest score every time. Um, unfortunately, one of them still is too lower than it ought to be, but giving has moved up significantly. So uh, we, we couldn't be more different when we were growing up as to how we saw the world of generosity. And, so, and that's kind of God's sense of humor that uh, I run into a guy named Greg Sperry in 1991, and he changes my life forever. Wow. And so that's how I got involved in the generosity movement. 
starting off with Greg and then Terry got his hooks into us and then we found our way into the world of NCF and that was over 25 years ago. Wow. Wow. And today, what is, what is, how do you spend your days as it relates to the work that you do with NCF and with families? Yeah, I spend probably about a third of my time with a, a, a small handful of families in a very uh, in-depth way. And so um, I don't have a whole lot of folks that I serve, but uh, spend a lot of time with those that I do. Also, I spend time on a lot of boards that are in the generosity movement, both here in the U.S. and around the world. And then also on other boards as well. That's the kind of the third bucket. And then do speaking and writing and things like that and hanging out with guys like you. Oh. So, Michael, you've uh, worked with some incredible generous families while working at NCF and even prior to that, but um, mostly while you've been here at NCF. What are some common barriers that you see of gener- of, of, for greater generosity? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, uh, there's a number of things that come to mind and, and actually specific scriptural verses uh, that speak to that issue. Uh, one, of the, one of the first ones that come to mind is just a lack of thoughtfulness and awareness. So I think about the parable of the sower, and um, this is always a disturbing parable to me because there's four different types of seed that are sown. Uh, and the first two, I, I kind of pass. And then we get to this third one with the thorny soil. And it says, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And uh, that's obviously a parable in a broader context of Christ and, and following Christ. But I think it also applies to generosity and what we do with the, the wealth that's been entrusted to us. Um, so that's one. Um, another would be just an eternal, a lack of an eternal perspective. So there I think about Matthew 6, where we're told, do not store up for ourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so uh, particularly in our society, uh, there's a pretty big focus on materialism and entertainment and pleasure. So it's easy for us to get distracted and put our treasure at places that ultimately uh, rust and, and, and are destroyed. Uh, so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is this eternal perspective and where do I want to store up my treasure. And then I guess the third scripture verse that would come to mind would be uh, from Malachi chapter 3, dealing with just obedience. So that's where we're told, uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my house. And God says, test me in this. I think it's the only place in the scripture where God says, test me in this. Usually he's saying, hey, don't test me in this. You just accept what I say. But he says, accept me in this, or uh, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so I think there's a lot of us, including me at times, that I read that verse and I said, yeah, that's true. But then there's a whole nother step to actually living that out and be, being obedient uh, to God's word. We don't often want to test God in things like that either, do we? Right? It's not common for us to say, yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's this fear, uh, a scarcity mindset that so many of us have. While we would assent that, yes, God owns all the cattle and all the hills, right? And yet um, there's a, a, so often a lack of testing God in that. Um, and seeing his faithfulness. 
That's very yep. good. Thank you. Um, David, on that same th- on the same topic, do you have any ideas that, that common barriers that you see in greater generosity? Well, th- let me, I'm going to flip that around on you. Uh, so there are some people that look at things and think that's a problem that needs to be solved. Other people see opportunities that need to be seized. And sometimes they can be the exact same thing. They just have a different view. So, for example, when I think about barriers, I think about the positive side. So people that are that we've experienced that are really generous, they one of the things they've done is they've changed some questions. So one of the things that they don't ask is, how much should we give? And they start asking, how much should we keep? Hmm. And so a, a different mindset comes. So if you want to call it a barrier, just in the world of get to give versus ought to give mm. also flips. Mm. And we all have this transformation on our, genero- on our journeys of generosity. Um, obviously, the eternal perspective that Michael uh, talked about is a, is a critical thing. You know, because people that are, are generous, they're aware that, that stuff has a mass and it's, it can suck you in. And so instead of you owning it, it can own you. And they have a really healthy awareness of those things. Um, another people, the people that we work with that are most generous, that are married, also engage their spouses in the process. So, if you want to flip all of these around, you can take mm. the opposite of them, yeah. and you can call them barriers. Mm. Uh, another thing is, is that um, one. I'll, this is a barrier. Um, a barrier is when creating wealth becomes more important than enjoying wealth. Mm. And it's a problem mm. for lots of us um, because many of us work in a way that we shouldn't. Mm. And a lot of it is done kind of subconsciously because mm. we want to create more and more wealth because by working harder, we do create more and more mm. wealth. People that are very, very generous understand that there is a very important balance and that generosity is not just about money. Mm. It is about your whole life. Mm. And so the things that we are stu- we, that we get to steward, one of those is time. Mm. And so people that are really generous with their treasure are also very generous with their time. Yeah. Uh, now, it's easier to be generous with your time than it is your treasure. So we've it's one of the reasons that we feel like let's let's go after the treasure question because mm-hmm. if we can get you generous with your treasure, you will be generous mm-hmm. with your time. It doesn't always cross over. But the ideal is that it's holistic with your time, your talent, and your treasure, your relationships, the truth that you have been given. These are all gifts that God says we can steward. And people that are really generous with their financial resources are often generous with all of the things that they steward. Mm. So those those are a few. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I uh, teased out at the the front end of the podcast this idea of whole life stewardship, and actually took that yeah. from a gentleman named uh, Pete Oaks. Uh, you guys know well, and he says uh, life stands for your labor, your influence, your finances, and your expertise. And I, I've been of the conviction. I don't know. You guys can press in on me on this, but I, I would say that. Out of those four, as, uh, as, as believers in the Western world, I feel like we do the best job probably with our finances, arguing that we still could do way better than we do. And out of those, you know, that our labor, our influence is one that we're often very scarce with, um, and our um, expertise. And so if we can really lean in, you say time, treasure, talents, but if you think labor, influence, finances, and expertise, yeah. if we lean in with our whole life, Wow. And, and it also like 
the more you lean in with your time, the more you're going to lean in with with generosity as well um, of of other of those things, right? Your influence, your your finances, and things. First Timothy six eighteen hmm. is uh, Pete. I would guess would say this is his verse. Command them to do good, yes. to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Yes. Well, you read that verse, that life acrostic. Yep. That fits that verse. Hey, David, I've heard you talk about uh, a great grant-making framework. Could you explain that, unpack that for our listeners a little bit more? Yeah, so um, it's very common that, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, is when we're talking to folks and they're asking the question, help me be more wise in how I make my grants, not just the contributions going in, but the grants that are going out. And um, it's very common for the reflex response to be, well, what are you passionate about? Hmm. And over the years, I've really kind of come to the conclusion that that's, a, that's the wrong question to ask, uh, unless everything you're passionate about aligns with what God is passionate hmm. about. Hmm. And so let's just talk about those things for a second. And I think there is a framework that we can use to help with this. And the first thing is, is so imagine a three by three. And down the left side are three boxes, and around, along the top are three boxes. Then there are nine boxes in the middle, and you fill in the nine boxes. Okay, Down the left-hand side is, is the Acts 1-8 framework. So there's Jerusalem, and the next box is Judea and Samaria, and the next part is the uttermost parts of the world. And that was what Jesus said they were, we, they were to go out to these places. Jerusalem was where they lived locally. Judea and Samaria were effectively like uh, the nation, so to speak. And then the uttermost parts of the world were as far as Spain at that mm-hmm. point. So mm-hmm. each of us, we have an instinctive understanding of where we live locally. What community um, are you living in? Um, and so that's one of the three areas. So those are the three geographic areas. Across the top are what I would call the Great Commission, the Greatest Commandment, and the Second Greatest Commandment. Said another way, love for the lost, love for the Lord, and love for the least. Hmm. Um, In each of those frameworks, the Great Commission, you have missions, evangelism, maybe scripture translation. It's up to you. When you think of the Great Commission, if you are doing anything to support the work of the Great Commission in any of those three geographic areas, you're hitting the bullseye mm. with regards to where to give. In the middle one, it's more of the greatest commandment, loving the Lord. So it could be your local church. It could be somebody that's teaching, uh, preaching. It could be even cultural matters might fall into that. It's up to you. Do you. And then the last one is loving your neighbor as yourself. And that, of course, is loving the least. But it could be your next door neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, frankly. And remember, let's keep the whole life generosity theme going here. This isn't just about where you invest your money. It's also where you invest those other things we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. So that's kind of the framework, three by three. Geog- geography on the left and the three kind of strategic areas that God has clearly said that he is passionate about. Hmm. That doesn't mean that none of your giving can go outside of any of these things. But let's start with the things that we that God has already told us he wants us to be a part of. Hmm. So good. So good. Um, you both work with a lot of uh, great families. Uh, and um, we actually see a lot of, a lot of times actually there's... Um, not unity. There's disunity within family with giving. And so thinking about this three by three 
Do you have any uh, advice on how to approach that within a family? Um, David, Michael, you as well, any, any insight? Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the things you can do with this, and this is very flexible, I'm just kind of throwing it out there, um, is that you can spend some time thinking through, you know, what are the different things that you think fit, for example, in those three strategic areas? And, and, and be creative. Like in that third category, um, love for the least, there's widows, there's orphans, there's refugees, there's prisoners, there's the sick, there's the oppressed, you name it. And then you can make a list of all of these different areas in all three of these buckets and then put them in front of your children and just ask them what two or three of them really strike you Mm. as something that's really important. Mm. And then you can do the same thing with the geographic areas. Of these three areas, what is it, when you think of which ones are most important to you, which ones? Mm. And then just plot them out on the framework and say, okay, well, let's start working on these two or three or four, whatever, uh, and let's start giving together uh, to those things. That's great. That's great. Thank you. That's, uh, it's very helpful, I think, to think about um, getting the kids, grandkids involved. And, and, and also, uh, you said something really important, I think, and that was not saying that we have to, we have to focus heavily on the entire world. It's it's which which of these places, which part of the of the world are, do we feel that we can go and invest in? And so sometimes maybe, um, I, I think I'm subtly hearing, um, g- invest more deeply with a few organizations that are filling these boxes as opposed to a wide shotgun. Is that is that a well, something? Sure. I mean, some of the disciples went to Jerusalem, some went to Judea and Samaria, and some went to the uttermost parts. Hmm. They didn't all go to all all of one of those three buckets. Hmm. I mean, it's it's designed to be diversified. Yeah, and so it's so good, so good. Michael, any any thoughts that riffing off of that? When you have maybe disagreement or conflict within the family, within a marriage, so never easy situations. But I guess some of the things that come to mind are one, um, just exposure. You know, there's a lot of folks that at some point in their life would say, kind of like David said when he was younger, they're just not very generous, and they've never been so. But, but we see over and over that when families even begin to take steps in that direction, um, kind of like the verse in Matthew says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. And so uh, any opportunities to bring family members into those generosity experiences, a mission trip, uh, serving at a, at a local Christian ministry or a church, uh, sometimes that alone can spark a passion and, uh, and, and draw people in. Hmm. Uh, so I think that's, that'd be one uh, example. And then I think just, just broader communication, um, uh, sharing the truth of, of God's word and the impact of being obedient to him and, and even the joy that is experienced personally from participating in such things. Hmm. Yeah, so that kind of goes back to one of the barrier opportunity issues you were talking about. Hmm. People that are, are, are really generous have intentionally engaged their, the generations behind them. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a really important thing to process, and, mm. to, and you get better and better at it as you practice it. Mm. But it's, it's one of the signs of people who are very generous. Mm. That's, that's good. Yeah, the, it's, it's a muscle that has to be worked, right? So you you, you got to train it. you got to uh, keep doing it, keep bringing it up. You'll get better at it. Um, we we often take actually our um, with the donor advice fund at NCF you can get print off a strategic fund review and actually I review it with our even young boys and I'm like 
uh, and we don't necessarily show, share all the dollars at this age because they're so young, but we, we say, hey, do you remember that guy that came over and, and stayed with us for a week from India? Like, you know, we support the ministry that he's doing. And, and then I'd, I'd hold up a book for a ministry that we support or things like that. Because also I realize, because we do all of our giving through our giving fund for the most part, that um, our kids don't ever see us give. And so thinking about building in ways that we can demonstrate where we are giving to and what's important um, is really important. But I was, I'm getting better at it the more we do it. And we do family meetings now once a month, and, and we hadn't done that before. And so you keep working on getting better at these things. So great advice. Thank you. you know, there's a lot of great examples. We have worked with one family that uh, um, very, very strategic. This was the grandparents. And what they did is they sponsored a compassion child for each one of their grandchildren. And when they were really little, and they would do it, and then when the letters would be exchanged, they would put their grandchildren in their lap, show the pictures, read the letter. And when their kids, when their grandkids got old enough to get an allowance, usually eight, ten, in that range, they would ask the grandchildren to contribute even a dollar to the whatever 30-something dollars it is, and continue the process. Then when they got a little bit older, they would say, okay, now you write the letter. And then the kid would send the letter back. And they were so strategic, they did all of them in this hemisphere so that when the kids became teenagers, they took them to mm. meet a child that they had been interacting with since they were, since they were very little, um, like since they were four or five years old. And um, it, it was just a powerful idea. It was not hard to do. And, of course, they were strategic. They worked with compassion to get all of the children in the same area in the same country. Yeah. So when they – and so all of these kids – I think it was Bolivia where these kids were. So all of their grandchildren were familiar with Bolivia because they'd all been mm. there mm. to visit their compassion child. Mm. Um, and oftentimes they would go in groups as the kids – because they, the older kids would want to go back. And so um, just a simple little mm-hmm. idea like that. I mean, how much did that cost? I mean, talk about using your financial capital to build spiritual and character capital in your children and your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even mom and we, dad never had a problem with grandma, grandma and granddad taking the kids yeah. down mm-hmm. uh, to see the compassion kids. That's for sure. That's great. We actually did a very similar thing with our kids. Um, and And started at a very young age, so we, they basically grew up together. Um, and we selected different, different parts of the world to kind of get a more global perspective. So we had one child in South America that we supported, one in Africa and one in Asia. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's a powerful thing. We never had the opportunity to go meet them uh, for various reasons, but just a little something fairly simple. Uh, have a huge impact. I can't imagine what it was like for those kids to actually go down and meet them face to face. That's an extraordinary thing. Oh, yeah. Mm, So good. So good. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. As we're starting to wrap up, um, I I didn't give you guys a heads up on this, but you both are well-read, well-studied gentlemen. And so I wonder if you have a a good book, a resource that you would share um, for our listeners that that maybe they could grab hold of, listen to, or read. Um, I sometimes listen to my books as I'm driving so much, but uh, that that would be helpful in, in these themes or other ones. Well, my, my favorite book on generosity is Randy Alcorn's Treasure Principle. It, for me, and I think for a lot of people, it is a paradigm-shifting um, concept. 
that takes giving from a place of uh, reluctance and sometimes drudgery to a place of excitement. Um, and when you think about treasures, one of the things that he says in there is God isn't opposed to treasure. Uh, in fact, he encourages it. It's just a matter of where that treasure mm-hmm. is stored up. So it's a, it's a fairly short read. So mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend that book to, uh, to, to anybody that wants to have a true biblical perspective of generosity. Mm, so good. Thank you. It's such a great book. It's a classic. Um, so David. He's got a couple of um, more recent ones. Uh, the most recent one is Giving is the Good Life. It's got some great stories in it. Have you read it? It, it's it's really good. It's fun. It's a fun book to read. And then if you want to go a little deep, he also wrote Money, Possessions, and Eternity, which is really a little overkill, I think. But uh, uh, So he did a, a, a kind of a synopsis of that in a book called Managing God's Money. Hmm. And so those are a couple of others by Randy. Um, I'm going to throw out some different ones. There's an author named Ramesh Richard. One of the things that we talked about earlier today was being on purpose and so he has a trilogy called Soul Passion, Soul Vision, and Soul Mission. Hmm. Three small books that really are, can be, I think, a very valuable resource for a family, especially one that is trying to bring about a multi-generational, um, you know, mission, vision, and passion in their family. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you. I, I don't know that I've ever had anybody recommend that book, those, that series to me at all. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, David. You bet. Lori, uh, I'm going to bring it back to you. Uh, I've had you here quiet on the side, but you've been taking copious notes. Um, what are some key takeaways that you heard uh, from David and Michael that, that, that you're even walking away from here? Thanks, Eric. I think the things that um, I really heard loudly is we, as, if we want to be generous people, it really means keeping our eternal perspective, knowing that God has been the one who has provided our time, talent, and treasure, and the way that we steward that needs to be intentional. It's not about trying to do it all at once, but taking intentional steps a little bit at a time, communicating with our family, showing our goals, asking us the hard questions of how much do we need to keep, and keeping it in balance so that we're not thinking that we have to try to achieve it all at once. A little bit of a step of being generous at a a time really does help us flex that muscle, become stronger, and we are all on a journey in this generosity space. Um, We just want to do a little bit and grow and grow with our relationship with God. Wow, such great insights. Thank you so much for for taking those notes and leaving them with us. We are so grateful that you've spent this time listening, and uh, we'd love for you to share this and and rate and subscribe to our show. We're going to have more content coming out. And uh, thank you, David. Thank you, Michael, for coming. Really appreciate the time that you've invested with us and the listeners, and um, grateful for the work that you all are doing. It's been a privilege. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. What a great time, you guys. Thanks so much.